Hi, uh, welcome to 154, uh, London's first contemporary African art fair. Uh, today we have the pleasure of uh, an opening panel from a few distinguished guests here. Uh, the first of which I'll introduce is uh, Stefano Riboli Pansera. Stefano is an Italian architect, um, architectural theorist, urbanist, and curator. He studied at the Architectural Association in London, where he graduated in 2005. Um, Stefano is the founding director of Beyond Entropy. And in 2013, uh, Stefano won the Golden Lion at the 55th International um, Exhibition at the Venice Biennale uh, for having co-curated the National Exhibition of the Republic of Angola with Paula um, Nascimento. We also have Elvira Diangi Oise. Um, Elvira is the curator of international art at the Tate, uh, supported by the Guarantee Trust Bank PLC, uh, where she is currently curating an ongoing series across the board and has co-curated the exhibition Ibrahim El Salahi, A Visionary Modernist. She is an art and architectural historian and is currently completing her PhD at Cornell University, New York. Um, and then we have Edson Chagas. Edson Chagas uh, lives and works in Luanda. Um, after completing a degree in photojournalism at the London College of Communication, Chagas studied photo documentary at the University of Newport. Um, his debut at the 55th International Art Exhibition Venice Biennale um, is a result of a recognized activity um, taking, and this is part of a recognized activity, um, taking part in exhibitions and projects internationally. We also have 154's program director, um, Koyo Kuo. Koyo Kuo is a Cameroonian-born exhibition maker and cultural producer. She's the founding artistic director of Raw Material Company in Dakar. Um, Kuo has served as a curatorial advisor for Documenta 12 and Documenta 13, specializing in photography video and art in the public space. She has curated numerous exhibitions internationally and written extensively on contemporary African art. Over the past years, she has overseen exhibitions, publications, and theoretical programs with contemporary artists, thinkers, and writers. Recent exhibitions include Word, 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 Issa Somme, the Indecipherable Form at the OCA Oslo, and at the Raw Material Company in Dakar in 2013 um, and can I ask that throughout the talk um, that your phones are all switched off and that you also um, wait till the mic comes around at the end uh, to ask questions thank you very much well thank you Jose that works yeah thank you very much it's so exciting to to be sitting in this room now after uh, such a long planning period and uh, thank you for, for your interest, thank you for being here. And uh, I personally believe that this event is a groundbreaking event. And uh, it is very uh, important for us who have been working on it over the past 18 months to really see it unfolding, I mean, in reality. Uh, Throughout the process, it was very clear for me personally that while a fair is uh, first and foremost uh, a market and a platform for sales, it was essential to create uh, a space for, for the discussion and debate of the works that are being sold. So while our colleagues in uh, upstairs are doing the money business, we'll stay down here doing the mind business. <laughs> and uh, it's a five day long marathon. I hope you have stamina and that you'll be joining all the slots because uh, the program is quite in, uh, integral and uh, developing from, uh, I mean the panels are developing from, from one to the next. So uh, it will be interesting to, to follow as many uh, as possible. During the development of this uh, initiative, uh, among many questions that arose from the people that we were meeting, seeing, asking for, for advice and so on, three persistent questions always recurred. And, uh, and I thought that these are questions that uh, will be good to address from the beginning. And uh, one of that question uh, was always, why an Africa-specific event? 
And, uh, and I know that that question refers to or leans to the obviously never-ending debate about the geographical categorization or labeling of Africa. And, uh, and this is an endless discussion. I mean, and I also think that positions towards that question vary <laughs> also depending on the people who are posing that question, also the people who are trying to answer that question. And uh, another question that came up quite consist, I mean, quite uh, uh, persistently also was, why London? But this question, I think my colleagues here on the, on the panel will answer that. And the third question was, why now? So uh, with this inaugural panel, I have the um, immense pleasure to be just a host <laughs> for once. I don't have to be smart. <laughs> that doesn't mean that the host should not be smart, but uh, <laughs> the tension is a bit less than the people will have to really deliver. So uh, with that, I really hand it over to, to the three of you. Uh, maybe Elvira, you may want to, to begin because of your, your position currently. You're clearly labeled an international curator at TED with a program, a very specific program on contemporary African art in expanding the Tate's collection in London and now. Um, well, first of all, thank you very much and congratulations for a superb uh, show. I brought some images that are totally random and actually I think even 10 seconds per image is too much because one of the things that uh, you were commenting, and this is of course a hunting uh, question for a curator in any institution, but particularly when your expertise is African art, is to how to engage with a topic within the context of an international narrative. And, and I'm going to try to respond to that as a, as a curator international art as an art historian, and as an activist in the, in the field. And I think, you know, when I was uh, considering being part of this, I said to myself, um, how African art has been somehow presented to the public, not only in London, but everywhere else, and also within the academy through um, different understanding of what Africa is and what Africa constitutes. And I think this is a question that it will be very interesting to debate. And when people ask um, me and my colleague Karen Greenberg that also um, that worked together with, with me as a part of this a strategy that uh, they had put in place uh, to enhance the present um, uh, of work from modern and contemporary uh, uh, African artists uh, in, in Tate collection is how you define African art. No? And I think, as, as you said uh, before, not in your presentation, but also in the context of the fair, there are always issues about authenticity. You know? And throughout my experience as a curator and as a scholar, you always have this feeling that no matter what exhibition was uh, taking place, it was certainly presenting a new definition of African art. What was African art? What is a modern African art? What is contemporary African art? And I think what is interesting about all of that is to avoid the, the, the issues of authenticity and go straight forward to the world of the artists that are the ones that are defining um, what they consider Africa is. But just to put you uh, in the context of what we do at the Tate, and you are seeing some images of Ibrahim and Salahi exhibition and, and other images that you will see about the project across the board um, in which we, uh, I, I was trying to program within the context of the institution, but also in Africa. And hopefully Chris Zerkon will talk more about that, so I, I don't want to extend myself on that. Our understanding is um, that Africa is this is incredible uh, feel of African art. It's an incredible feel of cultural production uh, that uh, includes and encompasses uh, the continent and its diaspora. Um, it encompasses the history and the way that it has been reflected in the, in the past, how, uh, for instance, from the beginning we're more mainly uh, the ways to determine what African art was 
and how that meaning has been appropriated by uh, practitioners within the continent and a scholar within the continent. And we have seen at the beginning a series of exhibitions, Magicians de la Terre, there was a, a very critical moment in, in exhibition making about how to present certain artists, but also others like the other story that were trying to challenge these ideas of authenticity, but also putting in place the, uh, the vision of the individual artists within the context of uh, of the of the discipline, and I and I'm also bringing all these comments that are taking um, that are that are um, about exhibitions that are taking place in London nowadays. Because if you have followed the recent articles in Arnie's paper and Art Monthly, there is also a conversation about what bringing uh, these momentums to London means for uh, the presence of. Uh, black uh, British artists in the context of the art scene. So for me, um, and, I, and I know that what I'm saying seems, seems to be very random, but it's all to say to you that what I consider the field is something that is larger, that, it, that encompasses all this vision, that of course has historical trajectory. The first in the beginning of the 20th century um, uh, was very primitivistic. Then in, in, during the modern experience encompasses uh, um, the, uh, the colonial encounters and moment of solidarity uh, within different regions, not only within the continent, but also um, in the diaspora. And a third moment, I will say, uh, within that is uh, the moment in which you see all those conversations between the continent and diaspora. So you see the internationalist noir, you see the black internationalism, you see negritude, you see issues of blackness, uh, you see all the, um, the fight for the civil rights movement in the States, the African-American art, uh, the way that blackness was classified within the context of London uh, in the 70s, which encompasses a larger myriad of, of issues. So all this kaleidoscopic map is what I define uh, as an African art. And if you ask me the first question, why an African art fair? <laughs> I will say that um, it is necessary um, to bring that to the public arena, to bring that to the audience. In a context of London that has seen uh, Africa 95 and all that uh, myriad of exhibitions that happened at the time, uh, which I think um, together with, with the, the moment in the, in the 89 with, um, with the Manicienne de la Terre, signifies the interest of academia, art scene, um, museum studies and, and, and museology and museography, but also the market now for the appetite of the, all these four en entities for a certain kind of art. And then maybe later we can talk about, you know, why now and, and also other things. Thank you so much, Elvira. I would like to uh, uh, go over to you, Stefano. You made the buzz in, uh, in Venice this year because uh, I remember when I was in Venice in the, during the preview days doing my usual African trail uh, that uh, nobody ever, ever thought of uh, the Angola Pavilion. And after the news broke, what happened? <laughs> well, the uh, pavilion this year was the result of uh, uh, three years of uh, work that uh, Paolo Nascimento and I tried to develop. And uh, uh, this year, really, Edson Chaga's work uh, was really the, the, uh, the serve, the surprise of the Biennale, because uh, uh, it was really like a, a, an exhibition that answered very systematically to uh, the brief of the Biennale. At the same time, it carried uh, on and developed the questions that uh, we started from. Anyway, both Paolo and myself are architects, but we started exactly from the same point you mentioned before. What, what is African art for you? In our case, is uh, what is uh, uh, the African space you, we want to deal with? And our question was really architectural and spatial. And the work of uh, Edson, in a way, answered to this uh, necessity and to this uh, element. Uh, I took some pictures of Edson, he will later describe them. But uh, going back to the original uh, question, we were fascinated by one aspect of the city, which we called like a morphing space. When uh, I went to Luanda for the first time, yes, I just 
show some pictures now. When we went to Luanda for the first time, we were uh, really shocked by one aspect, that uh, uh, the city has a very low density. Most of the buildings are very low rise. And there is a, an urban density which is higher than Manhattan, which is something which is totally inexplicable for our uh, conventional way of dealing with the city. Why? Because every space in Luanda answers to a multiplicity of functions simultaneously. Every space is constantly and simultaneously house, uh, workshop, garage, uh, laboratory. There is this uh, condition that uh, Gilles Deleuze would have uh, defined as undecidable. And for Paul and for me, this was like a very interesting starting point to decide and to define a typical character of the African city that uh, uh, it doesn't uh, recur in Europe or in the States or in Asia. It was really a very peculiar uh, aspect. And uh, uh, all our research had, had grown from this uh, very specific uh, quality, this morphing space. The work of Edson that I just showed before really uh, celebrates this position because uh, uh, with a very simple action of uh, uh, relocating, replacing an object in the urban context, Edson shows how an object can uh, create new relationship with the urban context and informs an entirely different uh, understanding of the urban space as well as the object. Later on, uh, Edson will explain uh, more in detail the project, but what uh, we are very fascinated about was this uh, uh, operation that doesn't deal with the imposition of a form, but with uh, the reframing of uh, a certain conditions or forces in a given context. This was, uh, I think, the uh, reason why we were so fascinated about uh, Edson's work and why, simultaneously, it was very coherent with our urban analysis of Luanda. Uh, this uh, was uh, our approach. And uh, uh, so, in a way, even if we come from different backgrounds, I always repeat that uh, we are not curators, we are architects. <laughs> uh, well, yes, in a way, we are pirates because we always uh, uh, move from one domain to the other. We are interested in uh, developing and exploring this idea of a morphing space. And for us, it doesn't matter if it is architecture biennale or art biennale. We just want to develop it as coherently as possible. Um, so this is the first thing. What is Africa for us? Africa is uh, uh, the territory defined by this uh, uh, way of dwelling space, which is... Uh, constantly morphing and evolving. Then the second question you raised was uh, uh, why uh, London and why now? Uh, why London? First of all, is uh, like uh, uh, why Europe generally today? Because uh, our exhibition was in Venice and uh, uh, when uh, we came back we discovered there was an incredible uh, uh, attention on uh, African art. There was uh, the exhibition at Tate with uh, Gaba, there was uh, uh, Elena Tsui uh, at the Royal Academy, and so on, and many other initiatives and wonderful artworks. Uh, this uh, is interesting for me because uh, it is a, a geopolitical shift. Uh, for uh, almost 500 years, we uh, dealt with a world which was led by the so-called so Atlantic supremacy, where everything was happening between Europe and the States, Europe and the States. And now there is an incredible attention to the Mediterranean and to Africa, that are like two of the most interesting territories where extraordinary uh, political changes are happening, extraordinary economic development is happening. And this is clearly, the, uh, this attention to Africa is a reflection of this geopolitical transformation that are happening. Uh, finally, uh, why now? Now because uh, the market of the art is the main driver of uh, art. Uh, there have always been incredible African artists. But in a way what makes the difference are the buyers. And today we are seeing an incredible uh, uh, number of uh, very sophisticated and very wealthy collectors from Africa. Uh, that of course have the uh, economic power and the uh, cultural sophistication to uh, determine and to discover and to cultivate and to uh, make uh, extraordinary artists blossom. 
And I think that uh, the reason why uh, it is very relevant and very contemporary to show uh, such a beautiful exhibition of uh, African art like upstairs with 155 tour is precisely because, uh, again, this is a geopolitical new uh, uh, horizon. Or if not, probably it's not new, it is uh, already very. Uh, uh, it has already a very prestigious history, but now definitely the number of these uh, uh, markets are becoming so important that uh, uh, London has got to really uh, recognize these forces with uh, uh, a new importance. Please, please, allow me call you. <coughs> no, it's good that you say, sorry that I'm jumping here. No, no, a lot to say about that, but go ahead. No, 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 I just wanted to, to point it out that you were saying, in, and I think you rectified the end, saying, that is not new, I mean, it's new to the scene here, it's new to the attention to certain collection, but obviously contemporary African art and modern African art was collected locally, and I think this is something that is interesting, and as you were pointing out these days in conversations, um, it is also taking place in Africa with the Johannesburg Affair, but there has to be many more initiatives of this kind to maybe highlight all the things that, um, that has to happen in both sides of of this, you know, of this context, sorry. Edson. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a hard question <laughs> for me because, uh, you know, I, I have been always shifting around uh, the world like a pilot, like, you know, since kids going to Europe, Europe, Africa, so I was a bit on, in the middle of this. Uh, so, you know, to, and there was less, in my point of view, less information about uh, African art and African venues. So I think that's uh, a point where, you know, it's important that uh, for, for African artists, that even Africans, you know, uh, institutions and, uh, and curators, you know, exist to, to shift this. Because at the other, other continents uh, always did that. So it's the time uh, perhaps to, to, for us Africans to actually give more importance to, to what we do. And uh, why uh, London? Uh, well, I think, uh, I don't know, uh, people involved also has a relation with, uh, with, this, with this country, so probably, and it's a co cosmopolitan uh, city, so I think it makes also sense to, 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 to be you know, presented this fair here. And uh, the other question uh, was, uh, why, now? why now? Well, you know, I think that's that's the that's the the question that I would say. Why not before? <laughs> <laughs> so, Very good, because yeah. I think that question will arise. I hope from the from the yeah. audience. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was a, there was a, probably a generation of, uh, of people like. And you and Fernando Avrini also, and uh, you know, many other people who fought a lot to this to, to, to happen. So probably it happened now, and I hope it will still happen in the future. Yeah. One thing that uh, I think I, I really would like us to, to sort of go to is uh, the very notion of internationalism. Uh, there, I have this strange uh, uh, impression that when African practitioners and professionals talk about internationalism, it always means anything outside of Africa, whereas internationalism can be applied and practiced within Africa itself, because I think what is happening in Senegal or in South Africa or in Kenya is not necessarily extremely connected either. So the very idea of, uh, of internationalism is uh, is challenging also. Mm -hmm. I mean, also for you as a, as an artist based uh, in in Luanda, uh, in Luanda. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stefano based in London, working. I mean, Stefano was re uh, referring to Paula in his uh, in his comments. It's Paula Nascimento, who's a, a Luanda-based uh, uh, architect and collaborator mm -hmm. and co-curator of the Angola Pavilion at the Venice Biennial. Would unfortunately could not be with us today. So this idea of, uh, of internationalism being anything outside of Africa, how do you relate to that? Well, actually, I don't relate at all. I think internationalism <laughs> has to do with Africa. And, and it has to do with, if just thinking about the modern time or even traditional time, you have 
people from different societies, communities living together. So it's already, um, if you want to use the uh, Achille Mbembe's uh, notion of Afropolitanism as a way of engaging with a cosmopolitan way of uh, understanding life, no? In a way, it's something very, uh, that I have said many times, that I think we should get rid of the African, of the uh, um, qualification of the African artist as if we are seeing Africa as a, as a, as a limit uh, or as a way of limiting the artist to a specific set of motif, icon, iconographic motif, topics, etc. So that internationalism is the excuse for most of these artists to engage with something beyond the conceptual framework that people have set for them. And, and I think uh, when I was trying to, to establish these different momentums of, of the way that Africa has been seen from the outside or has been reappropriated by artists and scholars, this responded why now uh, question that you raised and also to the internationalism. There is a more sense of control of the narrative nowadays that has to do control with- Control by whom? By the, by the, uh, the African artists, uh, scholar, curators, mm -hmm. that actually are, uh, uh, somehow um, impersonate this character of, um, intern I, I mean, I don't want to say international because it feels that another reduced uh, a, a conceptual framework for, you know, to avoid the African, then now we are international. I just want to be Elvira Yangani, also curator, and I had this um, uh, international art expertise that then has a focus on Africa. But that's a limit, the scope of my research. I can talk about anything that I want. I can also, you know, have uh, an interest for the African city and not necessarily because I'm, I, I, I come from Africa or I have interest in Africa. So I think both sort of like uh, responding to your question of the why now is a, is a, is a matter of ownership, is a matter of, of a moment that allows us to um, create a production of knowledge that, that it has no the lo locality as, as the only focus of interest. Is that the place where artists operate, but they look and they try to express ideas and connect with people that is around the world and ideas mm. that are universal? Well, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't really, I don't really agree totally, sort okay. of. What I mean is that, I mean, you mentioned the categorization and the labeling, which I was also uh, mentioning, and uh, uh, it is really a, a very uh, important debate that uh, obviously doesn't find a kind of, uh, you know, uh, consensus in the sense that uh, for me personally as a curator and as an art professional, uh, the, the, the label Africa does not necessarily refer to a geographic area. It refers to a mindset. It firstly refers to also to a cultural, uh, belonging. It's, uh, it refers to a historical uh, 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 project, I mean, uh, past. And, uh, and uh, one of the, <coughs> a few uh, artists uh, uh, didn't want to be part of, uh, of the project here because exactly they didn't want to be labeled African. And uh, one of my uh, uh, personal, um, how do you say, uh, um, reason of getting upset sometimes of African professionals is also always saying, oh, I'm not African, so what are you then? You no, know. but I'm not no, saying no, I, no, no, I, I let me not. finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying no, I, 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 uh, yes. uh, and, and I really think that beyond that, beyond saying that, I mean, for me, it's not a geographical reference. It is, a, it is an emotional, identitarian, historical, political reference, more than a, than a, than a geographical one. And beyond that, uh, I dare to say and to think and uh, practice that contemporary African art has kind of its own set uh, parameters but in a way that you call it Chinese art yeah. or Latin American art or Definitely. Western European art does not have. And, uh, and I was asked that question also. And one of it that I always, uh, and this is what I want to, I want maybe Edson to, 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 to respond is one of the things that I see over the past uh, two decades of my practice in that field is that, uh, a lot of contemporary production 
by African artists or in the diaspora. And I also like the idea that uh, 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 Africa is really which way more beyond the confines uh, of the, the geographical limitations of, uh, of the continent itself. One of it is that uh, the work is hardly self-referential, which is as in opposition to, to European art. You can say that a lot of work is self-referential. So what do you, what do you think Self about Self-referential in the sense that the works are not about the artists themselves you know, their emotions, their, you know, their views and so on. The work is very much related to the immediacy mm -hmm. of the environment, to the, to the immediacy of the of situations and also very much, much more political as engaging and so on. That's what I mean. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just I probably talk about me because uh, it's, um, for me, it's difficult to, you know, being in many places and, uh, you know, I'm African from Angola, but, you know, since kid in Angola, we, we were used to see things from other countries, you know. So I would hear Michael Jackson, even though I was living in a social, uh, uh, socialist uh, regime. But, uh, you know, it's, there is these mixtures that also, even living in, in, uh, in Africa, I cannot ignore, you know. It's, uh, it's something that also it's it's part of it. Like you know the history we had, there is some something that existed, and you cannot maybe you know make. Uh, I find it difficult to make it like a, a, you know a focus being African is this, and I will just follow this thing, and I will do. It. So I'm I feel that more being more open, and um, and of course you know like uh, also uh, the. Um, living and uh, you know having this thing of uh, I will tell a story when I went to Portugal and uh, stories are always good and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was funny when I arrived in '92 because there was a civil war after the elections and I went to Portugal and some of my colleagues at school were asking me so you came by ship and I said no by airplane and uh, so you. Uh, but, and then a lot of, a lot of, and, and I asked to, to the guy, so do you, do you know how to put the belt on the, on the, on the, on the, on the airplane? And he said, yes, of course, it's like that. I said, no, it's like this. And then the other guys who actually uh, have been in airplane was making fun of the other guy, you know. So this, this, there was always this, uh, you know, this, uh, let's say, things going, going to you. And I mean, very related to probably the, you know, like, you are African, probably you are always different from, from the rest of the world. But in a way, you know, yeah, we are all different. We are maybe, you know, from one country, from one continent, but we are also part of the world. So, and then I think on my work uh, and many works from other African artists, that's probably the, what's the engagement, uh, because it's, it's very present still, you know? I don't know if I respond to, to your question. <laughs> so so, no, I, I just wanted to say that I, I'm not re rejecting the fact of being African, of course, or black or whatever. I'm not rejecting that. What I'm saying is that sometimes that uh, the classification Africa has been imposed from outside. I like the way I use it. And I think, as I expressed from the very beginning, I engage with different ways of understanding that that are actually brought by the artists. Like one can come to the 154 and say, well, this is an African art fair. But one can also come and see this is an art fair and enjoy what they see because they work reference and, and take the viewers to so many, many places. Some will be located within um, Abidjan, within Dakar, but some others will be in New York, in Madrid, everywhere in the world. And I think that is like the issues of, of um, of internationalism that you also alluded before. So it, I'm not trying to say, when I say get rid of these, I say within the context of the people that are trying to impose a meaning to or a definition to that set. Uh, yes, yes Stefano, before I think we don't, we still have like five yeah. minutes before we really have to give the, 
room to our to the audience to yeah. react. Yes, and please. There is one thing that uh, um, for me is funny because if someone asks me if I feel like uh, an Italian architect, probably <laughs> I would be, be totally devastated. <laughs> I would just leave the room and I say I reject it strongly. <laughs> and the, the other day someone asked me, uh, she was an Italian journalist in uh, Milan, and she asked me uh, to release an interview because she was uh, interested in uh, Italian artists uh, abroad and architects. And I said, well, I'm not Italian. You know, you just, just look for someone else. And I think that uh, this concern, in a way, is already this concern of being Italian or being Angolan and stuff like this, in many cases, is quite uh, uh, redundant, in a way. When we saw uh, uh, Edson work, uh, for me it was love at first sight. And uh, Paola uh, and I were in a party in Luanda. And uh, uh, I asked Paola, what is this uh, picture about? And she said, I is a very young uh, artist who takes objects, places them in the city, and then he takes a picture of it. And he does this ongoing catalog. And uh, this just was in my mind, and I didn't even think about uh, if it was uh, uh, from Angola or from Kenya or from Germany. It was just a damn beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. And when uh, uh, Massimiliano Gioni presented the theme of the Biennale, the Encyclopedic Palace, uh, it was almost automatic to think about Edson. Because uh, uh, intuitively, he managed to really pick up the essence of the theoretical problem set up by Gioni. That uh, every palace, uh, in the moment when it tends to be universal, it cannot be a palace anymore. It becomes a city. And that's why uh, Edson, in a way, managed to put together our interest into the African city, mm. uh, the theme of the Encyclopedic Palace, and uh, uh, these wonderful pictures. And in front of this contemporary thinking, the locality, in a way, uh, falls apart, and it, it disappears almost. It's nice because Agamben gave a wonderful uh, uh, definition of the paradigm. Mm. In, in the moment when he discussed about locality and globality, he defined the figure of the, the paradigm as a, an exemplary case, which is neither singular nor universal, but uh, is an example that uh, uh, entails uh, a domain which is larger than the singular and not uh, as universal as a, a, an abstract category. And this, uh, I believe, is the power of uh, uh, some of the pictures of Edson that managed to uh, be very well rooted in the reality of Luanda because they're really specific of Luanda. At the same time, they show a sensibility that is uh, uh, very good to describe an entire uh, territory, which is much wider than Africa itself as a continent. Or it really describes this state of mind, as you said before. And in this uh, space, in this paradigmatic value of his pictures, there is a quality of a, a very uh, sophisticated artist. There are many more points that I would like to continue touching on, on um, but I think that uh, we, can, uh, we can take some questions, comments from, uh, from the audience, if you have any, and uh, we will be very happy to continue the discussion in a, in a broader uh, uh, circle. Are there any questions or comments at this point? There is one person here, there is a lady back there. Maybe start with the ladies. I'm going to be the uh, skeptical uh, cynic, the, the nasty witch in the back. Um, how about if we think of this moment, uh, this international moment, this interest in Africa, uh, as the result of Africa appearing in the business pages of magazines and newspapers for the past three years, as the untapped market where there's suddenly a middle class that uses cell phones, that pays electricity bill with the cell. It, it's a bit like the, in, the, in this age of a financial crisis in Europe and in the United States, Africa is appearing like the, there's like a new gold rush towards Africa, one. Two, and what about if we think about um, this internationalism in Africa? or Africa entering the, the zone of internationalism, with the China, with China being, having created a new cosmopolitanism in, uh, in the continent. 
Thank you. <laughs> Do you want us to respond? Or yeah. Yes, we can respond to that. And, uh, and what the skeptic cynical is a very dear friend of mine. That's how <laughs> I like <laughs> I mean, I, I think skepticism is, is key uh, in all this operation. I was take, saying to yeah. Toria yesterday that for me, on the one hand, I think that the fair should be, um, uh, should have an expired date if we want to consider, like, if we want to be truly international, mm. there will be a moment with this, you know, uh, there won't be regional uh, uh, um, biennales, or, uh, sorry, uh, art fairs, no? But at the same time, I think that one of the things that we were, we were pointing out before, like, maybe there is expectation here, but there have been things happening in the continent for a long, long time. Mm. So it's like, what I think is interesting about this particular moment, about the now of this, of this experience, is that people is gaining ownership, people from Africa, practitioners from Africa, institutions from Africa, curators from Africa, are taking ownership of what is happening. And of course, then Financial Times and other media can pay attention to it, but without the uh, increasing presence of all these other platforms in the continent, there won't be this feedback here. What I think is interesting is, is going to happen next. What is going to happen with Exxon after his Golden Lion? What is going to happen with the fair next year or after the three first years that they had decided to work with it? What is going to happen at the time modern after Meshagaba and El Salahi? I think this is the moment that we should be considering here because it's about how we made this a sustainable discourse in the longer run. Uh, we have had these moments before. Manicians de la Terre was a moment in which then Jean Pigossi has a exhibition like Africa Today. Then there was Africa 95. And, and it seems that our wave uh, that, you know, have no continuity. So what I think is important is to start thinking about what is going to happen after we close the doors here in Somerset. And, and what we are actually doing within the institution I work with, but also what I'm doing as a uh, artistic director in Lumumbashi Biennale. What is going to happen in Lumumbashi after what we had just done? No? Definitely. I also think that to respond to that is that uh, I've said once in a, in a discussion that uh, most people think that the closest friend or the other side of art is kind of aesthetics and passion and love and and so on, but the closest friend to art is always money, and has always been money. And the art always follows the money stream. So the more, uh, um, how do you say, I mean, Shakespeare said once, that was asked one, what is a successful play? And he said the successful play is a place that uh, brings in a lot of money. So uh, I'm not kind of advocating the money prism, but I really believe that it is, it is a bit naive to believe that uh, uh, the attraction to, to, to an art practice can go without mm -hmm. the attraction of an economical environment. I mean, nobody wants to go invest in place where they're the, the, the general perception is about wars and famine and so on, which has been, uh, unfortunately, the, the case for Africa uh, over, over the years. And uh, that's one. And uh, the, other, the other thing which I, I strongly believe in and which is why the now question is interesting and is important, and uh, Elvira tapped on it, there is a high sense of ownership that has been uh, applied, produced, and uh, uh, taken over uh, by, uh, I think, a new generation of contemporary African practitioners, be them curators, writers, artists, uh, organizers, and so on, which uh, I believe are really taking over and benefiting from what the first and you know, the other generation did in the mid-80s, the black British uh, uh, movement and mm. so on, which we are not really tapping on to now, which I hope we will do over the course of the, the, five, the next five days. And that ownership and that vibrancy is coming from the continent. Mm. It's not coming from Paris, it's not coming from New York, it's coming from Dakar, it's coming from Nairobi, it's coming from Johannesburg, and we are bringing it to London. Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not coming from China. <laughs> <laughs>
small commentary. There was, excuse me, there was a gentleman here I, I think before. You have to you have to wait for the mic. Kind of, oh, yes, for the recording yeah. purpose. <laughs> yeah, but he was. <laughs> okay, good. No, you, no. You, I guess my comment is kind of answered uh, somewhat. Uh, you had mentioned that this is a groundbreaking uh, exhibition. Uh, there was a show in '91 at the New Museum in, in New York called Africa Explores 20th mm -hmm. Century African mm -hmm. Art. So the first, apparently the first um, um, art show outside of Africa of contemporary African art. Uh, in 99, there was a, um, a um, art news uh, article about uh, the new avant-garde, mm -hmm. African art again. And so, you know, I mean, so what makes this groundbreaking? I mean, I, I like the show, you know, um, it is definitely much more market-driven than Museum like one in New York, but so what makes this, in your estimate, groundbreaking? And you might have sort of answered it, but um, mm. that was my question. You mean that the fair? The fair, the fair, the fair. But yeah. I, but I think what what Koya is pointing out from the beginning is not the fair being groundbreaking. Of course, there hasn't been a, an African art fair or contemporary African art fair in London, so it is by definition <laughs> pioneer. <laughs> and, but then I think what is interesting and groundbreaking is the moment which is what, uh, what our colleague then was mentioning. It's like this moment is not only happening in London, but it seems that many things are taking place here. And of course, you know, some, some things are leading the way, what we had done at the Tate, uh, this affair. Um, certain things are happening here. And uh, what, I, what we are trying to um, somehow highlight is the fact that the moment here without the local expertise, without the rhythm that comes from uh, the streets of Luanda, without the, the connections that we have with people that is producing work, um, the galleries, the art fairs in Johannesburg, without the continuity of, of projects like Bamako, uh, Dakar, Biennales, this won't happen. You know, like uh, Koyo or Toria would have never thought about doing an, a contemporary African affair. And of course it has to, as you said, is money because you know without people that were willing to come with their work here from galleries all around the world, but without people that is willing to buy those work, you won't do a fair. Exactly. That's you know. Yeah. But but I think it's it beyond that is also is a moment to it. You can profit the momentum and then consolidate the things. That's why I think the now is extremely crucial, but the after is gonna be. Huh. A huge task, and we are we are have all our roles in that. And yes, by go ahead. And then oh, we, sorry. we have yeah. one second. So. Yeah. By the way, I, I like very much this attention that you give and this emphasis to the after. Mm -hmm. And one of the these uh, symptoms of the after can be seen from, uh, at least in my case, from the art from the interest that artists express to go to Luanda uh, to work, because this movement. Uh, is never just in one direction, it's always symmetrical. And uh, I receive constantly uh, emails of requests from uh, young uh, European, North American, and uh, Central Asian artists that express a desire to go to our space in Luanda to do residencies and to work. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a very interesting possibility of the after, which is uh, revealed by this asymmetrical uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that uh, it would be quite uh, fascinating to do like a European affair in Luanda. <laughs> <laughs> we can ask Freeze to <laughs> relocate. You have, uh, you have the triennale of Luanda. You have the triennale, which, yeah. is, which is a big, yeah. and it's not just for Angolan artists, mm. so it's a very mixed, uh, you know, uh, international, and international event, yes. event and uh, mm. with fine art, uh, you know, and uh, many, many kind of like music. Yeah. So it's very broad. Uh. Now this would be even a very uh, a healthy moment uh, for European artists that, as you say, very often are indulging in very self-referential expressions. Mm -hmm. They, in just in the moment when they uh, can uh, gather in a similar way in uh, Luanda or in Dakar, probably they start having like very refreshing point of view on their own production. This would be quite fresh. I believe so. We have a gentleman back there who is waiting for his time to talk. Um, something like 18 years ago, there was a, a conference in the Cultural Institute, not very far from this room, um, uh, hosted by an organization called AICA. And that conference took place at the back of the Africa 95 conference. Mm -hmm. I'm recording back to that conference. There's a little book published around that conference, a collection of papers in that conference uh, by... Kati Dipuel, I think, 
Um, and it began literally with asking the same question this conversation began. And, and I, I'm struck by an old question returns as if it was new. Second comment I'll make is that um, is, the in, is the essay that accompanies the Africa 95 exhibition, the essay by Skip Gates in there. It's also very useful and timely to read the question about contemporary African art. I, I, want, to, I want to emphasize, so is the seven songs of African, African art too. I'm, I'm referencing those three, not only that the only ones, but rather the importance of situating discussions historically in their proper context. The second comment I'll make is, is the why now? Well, the why now is to think about contemporary African, African art in neoliberal times. Okay. Or put it another way, the way in which contemporary African art has become the site in which or through which neoliberalism, both there and here and elsewhere, mm -hmm. is secured. Once you put it that way, then maybe we might have a sensible discussion. Thank you. Well, uh, I think that uh, I am very much, I mean, I, I'll let to my colleagues to, to respond too, but uh, I'm, I'm very much aware about uh, the conference you're, reference, uh, you're referring to and uh, also about all these articles. And uh, I personally don't believe that an old question cannot be asked anew. I think that maybe if it's coming back, it's because what I mentioned earlier, it's never ending. Maybe the answer hasn't been found yet, and we are still looking for an answer. Or maybe there is no answer to that question. And so if there is no answer to that question, maybe the question is not even valid. But I think that uh, uh, it, is, uh, it is something that we realize uh, during the preparation of, uh, of this event. And I have to really uh, emphasize that as much as I'm part of the, <coughs> the organization and the, of uh, specifically the theoretical program, the, uh, uh, the artistic selec selection of this event, I'm not really a fair person, you know. And, uh, and uh, my, uh, my expertise uh, lays totally, totally somewhere else. But I think that it is, it is still uh, uh, obviously important for African professionals, be them artists, curators, critics, writers, and so on, to, 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 to define this idea or non-idea, if you, if you want, of, uh, of Africa. So back then, 18 years ago, I think that what Africa 95 did uh, was was important for, for, for London, for Europe, but uh, uh, to, uh, to uh, take what uh, Elvira was saying, it was an initiative uh, coming from within, coming from the axis of New York, London, Paris, including a global uh, 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 idea of, uh, of Africa, so which today uh, the position have shifted considerably. And if you look at the contemporary uh, landscape of artistic practice in Africa today, it's absolutely not the case that was 20 years ago. So I think that that's an, uh, that's an important shift and, uh, and that the discussion is still ongoing and it has the right to be ongoing. And all questions are very interesting, usually. I, I would like to point out just one comment to what you were saying, because this is something that it really haunts me. I also, mm -hmm. I, I was educated in Spain. I grew up in a country that didn't have this kind of conversations about blackness, race, uh, and, and sort of like a, a social dialogue in relation to different communities. So for me, that I was studying these things probably 20 years ago, it's still, it's very uncomfortable to be here talking about these things again. But, I, but I, 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 there are two ways that I will respond to your comment. One is that, yes, there are still so many things, particularly in seven studies of modern, of, uh, modern art in Africa that are relevant and that need to be highlighted, as well as some of the comments and the talks uh, from the international um, conference in 1994 in Iniba that I think are specifically uh, 
uh, important to the to the context, the sort of conceptual context in which we are all in. No? Uh, take this, and, and I think our monthly uh, articles this past month are really crucial in that sense, also to understand the Black British movement. But I wanted to say that on the other hand, uh, uh, it is true that even with with those in mind, and I th think that to myself when I invited Ottobon and Kanga Nasio Mosquito to present the project at the Tanks to respond to the idea of political representation in the context of Take Collection, Ottobon and Kanga said to me, but if we start talking about Africa and we're going to reach to all these common logi mm -hmm. that we have been trying to escape, yeah. and it's true. And the only way that you can engage with that is with the work of the artists, with the things that, like the post challenges way beyond sometimes uh, were curatorial uh, uh, frameworks. The problem is that this fair already bring those topics to the conversation because it's an specific uh, uh, fair on African art. And that is the way that it has been presented to the world, and that is a way in which also can capitalize and negotiate its space within that, that arena, the neoliberal world that you talk about. To respond to the question of the neoliberalism, it's true. And then there are now a ne neoliberalism within the continent. Mm. And what I'm, and Koyo has said very clearly, she's not an art fair person, I'm not an art fair person. I'm not a, like, I'm really, like sometimes I'm very, um, sort of like, I'm, uh, how you yeah, say? Love uh, and hate. Not uncomfortable, but you know, it's like, I, I feel myself <laughs> with like wearing my, like my mom shoes when I was five years old, being even a, a, a take curator, because my expertise has always been in the alternative side. It has mm -hmm. always been in the guerrilla. Mm -hmm. So for me, like having this work and also working with Sami Baloji and Patrimo de Queresa in Lubumbashi, working with artists like Exxon Chagas or Joanna Min, Nastia Mosquito, that are like dealing with the underground uh, uh, um, uh, intervention in their local context is crucial. And, and what I think is interesting is to see how the new liberal world in those contexts is going to affect the work of these artists. If, are they going to be able to connect with, with all of them to still produce the kind of uh, artistic engagement with community, with social dialogue, with a critical uh, position that they used to do before um, they were somehow part of, of the mainstream or were part of the appeal of the mainstream? And I think that is, that is why the question of the now and the, the after is really crucial. Mm. But I think for me, the response to that is the ownership all these practitioners, in which category they are, are owning a narrative, and that didn't happen as is happening now, mm -hmm. before. So this is why this moment is crucial. There is one, two hands here. We'll take these two more, and then I think we'll have to make a break to allow the setup for the next panel. Um, I think personally, as an artist myself, it's quite exciting times to be defined as an African artist. I have to say I never wanted to be defined as one because I always saw, saw myself as an artist first. And because I grew up in Canada, <laughs> Africa was not always my first point of uh, departure. So I think today what I'm seeing um, is a broader sense of what an Af African artist is or an, an artist of African descent. So I think it can only, the broader the, the um, definition is, the more freedom there is to move within it. So I think there's gonna be a lot of excitement in that, for sure. Thank you. Is it on? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, um, yeah my question um, relates to something you said at the beginning, Koyo, about um, the money's upstairs, the mines are down here. I want to be Don't a bit... Don't take it literal. No. <laughs> she had it's just the location. The auditorium happens to be here. If I Don't was to take it literally, I'd be upstairs <laughs> trying to find it. Um, but I wanted to be a bit provocative, if I can, um, but I don't want to put people's backs up. Y yesterday, I came here yesterday, and I met 
several um, buyers. Um, and what struck me was, first of all, that they were, I think one of you said that a lot of the buyers are still Western or people of the North. Um, they were people of the North, but they were all people who had made their money, they, they told me very openly, um, uh, in Africa, for, from the natural resources of the raw materials of Africa, diamonds, oil, etc. And um, this isn't, I mean, in a way, I'm kind of asking an impossible question because to go back to the point about neoliberalism, we live at a time when it seems so pessimistic that we can change the economic order. But I did find it, um, I found myself feeling pessimistic and depressed about that, that the people who are buying the art, I mean, I, I don't want to make too many generalizations, but perhaps a lot of the people who are still buying the art, who've still got the money, are people who've, who've made it off the backs of um, the poor, off the backs of the exploited, many of whom live in the South. And um, I'd be particularly interested to hear what Edson feels about this as an artist whose work I really, really like. I've lived in Luanda, and I think your work is really, it's, it's very touching to see. But I'm, I'd like to know what you all think about, you know, does it, does it matter who buys it? Does it, does it matter? I mean, what, what you do about that? I have a, wow, that's another <laughs> never-ending question. That doesn't only be, uh, uh, applies to Africa. I mean, I remember it was in 2005, when was the big fight in Venice? with checklist and the Dokolo, 2007 yeah. in, uh, in Venice when Simon Jami and Fernando Alvim organized one of the African pavilion and there was all this amazing uproar about the provenance of, uh, of the collection. Uh, I think that the question is valid, but then the validity should be applied to everybody I mean, the state, everybody knows how the state made his money also, but nobody thinks about asking why the state is, exists. So my question back is then how much, how many cleansing processes money has to go through in order to become <laughs> clean, <laughs> you know? Just to, clarify, sorry, just to clarify, my question, I totally agree with you about the 2007. I thought the discussion and the hypocrisy mm. of the West, I'm a journalist, I tried to sell a story about that, defending Sandeepa Dokolo, and I couldn't find a, 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 a media outlet to... Sort of oh, sorry, Mike. So my question was the other way around. My question was the other way around. It's not so much to point the finger at rich African buyers. Mm -hmm. it, it's, to point the f it's to ask questions around the, 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 the Westerners, and I, and I totally agree. There's been so much hypocrisy. Mm. The Venice Biennale, that discussion between Storr and Njami and uh, Fernando Alvin, was just told you sp spoke so much of the hypocrisy of Europe. So I'm not so much pointing the finger at um, rich African elites as, as the Westerners, the Northern people who have made their money that way. I, just to, to clarify. Well, I mean, it's I mean, even I mean, it's for me, it's still the same sort of speak, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, how do you say? It's a it's a real dilemma in a certain way, and I don't think that. That question is only valid when it comes to contemporary African art. That question is valid with <coughs> art generally, yeah. everywhere. And uh, art is full of dirty money, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, that's a reality. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> and uh, and I think that that's one of the facts that we don't have to. I mean, this is not the setting for that, but this is what I, I strongly believe in. So. Uh, I think it's very, it's very uh, uh, um, uh, demanding, so to speak, to, to ask an artist or even a, a very young initiative as us how we want to relate to it, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, somehow, um, I dare to say that uh, if the giving back in a way, goes through art, through the artist, through the institution, then maybe it's a path to, you know, a kind of a, a cleansing. But uh, art is full of dirty money. <laughs> but at the same time, I would like to bring an example yeah. of a, a parallel case. Because when uh, one of the main uh, criticisms that uh, was uh, uh, given to the pavilion of Angola, probably we can show some pictures. We ask the gentleman because I don't know for people who didn't participate. One uh, of the uh, main criticism I show you it was th this was the pavilion, mm -hmm. you know, 
It was very simple. It was basically the, we had, we were said that uh, we uh, won because uh, uh, Italy wanted to uh, deal with uh, Angola, with <laughs> oil and stuff like this. And I can tell you that there was a moment when we were so desperate about uh, finding the resources to do it that we would have been very happy to accept the money from oil companies. But they didn't give it to us. We, were very, we could have been very happy to take money uh, from laundry and to <laughs> laundry money for this, but we were not offered that. <laughs> Unfortunately, we were basically uh, working with such a low budget that we were forced to make an exhibition that was a catalog at the same time because we didn't have a budget for the exhibition and for the catalog. Mm. And we turned this into a curatorial opportunity. And even more, we had such a low budget that we were not able to uh, uh, occupy a, a proper empty space to do the exhibition. So we had to uh, uh, go in an existing museum, which is always closed, and we dealt with uh, the foundation that manages the museum. He said, okay, you give us a discount on the uh, space, and we pay the uh, security for you for the entire duration of the exhibition. In a way, we, uh, this is an, exactly the opposite example of what you're mentioning. There are cases uh, successful cases where uh, there is a, such a short, a limited amount of money, and this trigger uh, the opportunities that we had. In three days, I shouldn't say that, probably this is off the record. This yeah. In three days, uh, the Minister of uh, Culture of Angola spent more money for the water tax in Venice than for the entire pavilion in three days. So I mean, this is a, a, a exactly opposite example of like the fact that we didn't have any money at all, neither clean nor dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think we will have to stop here for this first uh, part because we have to set up for the next uh, panel. Thank you so much. Stay. The continuing panel is exactly going to show us how neoliberalism functions within the art market and, uh, and uh, panels after that also. Thank you.